Welcome to the Thrive Alcohol Recovery Podcast, where we share tips, information, and success stories about a revolutionary treatment for alcohol use disorder called the Sinclair Method, or TSM. TSM can help most people reduce rather than abstain from alcohol by addressing the root cause of problem drinking, which is inside the brain. I'm your host, Katie Lane, Sinclair Method success story and co-founder of Thrive Alcohol Recovery, where we help you find freedom from problem drinking using this approach so that you can live your best life. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. It's Katie here, and I'm here today with our fellow TSMer, Kelly. Kelly, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. No problem at all. Yes, I'm, I'm so excited to dig in and learn more about you and your history around alcohol use disorder and your experience with the Sinclair Method. So I just want to go ahead and get started. Um, I guess, why don't we begin by you just telling me a little bit about your history with, with alcohol and what that experience has been like for you leading up to the Sinclair Method. Sure. Um... I suppose from uh, very early on, I um, I liked alcohol. I, I took to it like a duck to water. Um, it just, you know, uh, now at the st- that said, um, at the start, um, I very much still had my um, that's enough now kind of limit in place. So I really enjoyed my few drinks, but at the time it literally was my few drinks, you know. So, um, yeah, and then basically as time went on, I, like, like a lot of us, I drank and drank until that um, barrier uh, disappeared. So um, it became more units, it became more often, it became earlier in the day. So I think it was almost, um, as long as I kept engaging, it was almost inevitable, you know, that it was going to, um, um, I was going to lose control, that it was going to control me me at some stage. So that was kind of, um, it was never, it was certainly never a healthy relationship. I think the potential was always there you know, I just liked too much, you know, I mean, some people have, excuse me, have overeating or have, you know, um, gambling or what have you. That was my unhealthy Mm go-to, you know, so that's that, that was, you know, I don't like, and I was lucky as well. I mean, I've had a good life with good supportive people around me. So I haven't, I know a lot of people have fallen on hard times or what have you, but um, I, I've been blessed that that has never been the case. So there hasn't been a trigger there's never been, you know, thank God, a debt or, or what have you. It literally, it almost spiraled downwards that it became that I was very much in, in the, the throes of AUD to the point where I didn't see there being um, any particular way. It was pretty hopeless um, before TSM. I mean, I'd, I'd nearly accepted the fact that this was always going to own me. I was always going to make promises that I was always going to break. And, you know, I just couldn't see an alternative before TSM. Like, Yeah, I can relate to that a lot because when I, right before I first found TSM, I was like, okay, I guess this is just the life I'm living, like addicted to alcohol because the the torture of sobriety and fighting the cravings was like so unpleasant that I could only withstand it for so long before I caved again. And yeah, so I can totally relate to where you're coming from. Well, that's it. I had a similar usage as well. It was, um, uh, six, if it was six days a week, I was lucky. It was generally seven. And perhaps not in excess, but I simply could not go a day without a drink. You know, it was, you know, even if it was only, I would rationalize where it's only three, it's only four. I can get up. It's uh, the next morning. It's okay. It wasn't, you know, I was, I was well out of the driving seat at that range, you know. 
Totally. I would do the same thing where I would like if I drank a ton of water and kind of had my little routine of everything I could do to prevent a hangover and I would feel okay the next day after drinking, you know, a bottle of wine or more. I was like, oh, it's fine. You know, I can, I can handle it. But um, yeah. Yeah. So the story to tell yourself. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just curious as you're talking, you said you would like limit it to three or four or whatever. Um, when you would limit yourself before TSM, was it like a really hard thing to do or was it easy for you to limit to a healthier amount? What was that like for you? No, certainly towards, um, well, I suppose um, I, I, for a bit of background, um, literally the kind of uh, AUD having its grips on me was literally in the last, say, say three years that really took off. I was, um, uh, it, there was a situation at home whereby um, we were uh, down to one vehicle and my husband needed to go to work. So it left me kind of uh, away from my family in kind of a relatively rural area. And it was just, it was the sense of isolation, you know. So essentially what happened was I was self-medicating with alcohol and then that became to the stage where it would be earlier in the day and earlier in the day. And I, I would be able to limit it in terms of, I knew I had to get up in the morning, I knew I had to um, get things done. But it was, um, I would still go to bed. I would go to bed angry that I couldn't have what I felt I should have. You know, it's it, like, it's ridiculous. But I, you know, because, I mean, I suppose everybody with AUD knows that, you know, it's 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 bottomless. It's, you know, you, generally, unless you're really blessed, you know, you will keep going until, the, the, like, I mean, uh, blackouts were seldom or were frequent and, uh, you know, uh, par for the course, you know. I mean, my God, there's, uh, you know, so many times that I've, you know, woke up not remembering going to bed, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I literally, I would compensate by um, uh, making sure that I, I drank enough that, enough that I kind of felt a satisfaction, I suppose, but not so much that I knew I couldn't function the next day. But then the weekends were free for all because I would overcompensate by doing what I wanted, you know. And it became like, as I said, like this initially kicked off uh, due to kind of uh, largely um, kind of isolation and allowing, you know, the routines around what I was doing to become, you know, ingrained. So I, I kind of, um, I kind of dug my heels in. I, I kind of, instead of changing routines up or take myself out of my own environment, I very much, you know, I mean, God, there was days I didn't leave the house, you know, so I didn't help myself in terms of making these routines kind of um, uh, set in stone. Plus then, I, to add to the insult, I suppose, I started isolating myself from family events because, you know, it was going to be in the evening or it was going to, you know, I was very aware that that how much I drank and the rate that I drank was um, socially very unacceptable, definitely raised eyebrows. So, I mean, to the point where I would be, I would basically be nearly cringing at family dues, you know, kind of like sipping a glass of something like I can't wait to go home and do what I want to do. But like I knew at, at, at a, I was very aware that it wasn't right, you know, but as you were saying, it almost felt that I was, um, I was resigned to this is how this is now, you know, which is, and as I said, um, making promises, breaking promises every weekend was now. And this week I'm going to have alcohol free days and I'm going to cut right down. And I mean, I tried every trick in the book. I mean, I, um, I gave my husband, uh, my, my cards. I still, um, I found a spare cash upstairs, went and bought something to drink. I mean, uh, another time I cut my cards up 
and I still, you know, kind of uh, found cash here, there, where, what have you, and um, went off. And like, there's literally one place where, where a local shop that you could buy. And I, I remember so many days up there kind of thinking to myself, um, oh God, I hope I don't get the same cashiers yesterday. And, you know, they, they know me, they see me, I'm sure. And like, and the irony of it is I, I started off working um, as a cashier and off license. So I was fully aware of the fact that you associate customers with what they buy, you know? So um, I knew that people were looking at me saying, you know, oh, here comes the, you know, uh, eight cans of Carling Girl or whatever, you know, and you, you do, like maybe nobody cares, but you become hypersensitive to these things, you know, changing what shops you go, what time you go to try and make it look like it's a casual pur purchase and not an everyday event, you know? Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, that that's kind of where where we were at, you know, towards uh, uh, I suppose before begin TSM was it was becoming it oh, very much um, heavier and heavier earlier in the day, and you know, it, it 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 was above everything. I mean, my there there was you know AUD, there was my family, and like seventeen on the list was my own health. You know, that's kind of the the way it had gone. You know, so I was I was absolutely out of control like at that stage. I think you speak so well to the experience that so many people have with AUD, you know, the, the scenario of feeling angry when you cut yourself off because you know you can't have more, but you want more. You want to drink to blackout. Mm -hmm. Like I would be at parties and see people sipping on drinks and I would try to mimic that. And I was like, ah, like restraining and wanting. And yeah, if, if I was only having two, then I was thinking about it for the rest of the night and angry that I couldn't have more. So it was like, never this pleasurable experience to cut ourselves off. And then what you're speaking to too about like going to the different stores, trying to be kind of clever with when you're buying. Uh, yeah, it's just all these things we, which for me, it creates this like cloud that just like disempowers us because we're, we're being controlled by the substance yeah. in a sense. It's running our lives, even though we know better, um, it's not a logical thing. So it, it, it can make you feel crazy, like in hindsight a little bit. It is. A, it's. Um, I mean, the worst part is like we feed it, we perpetuate it. You know, it's. It's. Uh, it's quite similar to uh, like I was a smoker, like kind of twenty cigarettes a day for uh, about. Oh, it must have been twelve years at least. Anyway, from the age of nineteen, and I mean, same thing. I just took to that. I just went off of running. I, there was never a, like casual kind of a few ones here or there. I literally almost started smoking a pack a day. You know, every day. But like like that, everything would revolve around, okay, when can I have a cigarette break? And, you know, uh, okay, I'll get down to the bus a little bit early. You know, everything was, uh, do I have enough change on me? You know, I mean, there were so many days it was like, okay, can I, will I buy some cigarettes or will I buy some lunch? I bought some cigarettes, you know? So it was, it was such a similar situation where this completely controlled you. Now, if you ask me, I think the last time I taught, I, I actually, what I did was um, I used nicotine replacement therapy, the patches and then the gum to um because I, I thought well like that cold turkey cold turkey is just it's it's such a cruel thing to do and I just think to to yourself and I think unless you've got like uh you know a, a will of steel like it's not going to work you know it's it, you're, all you do is torment yourself until you inevitably crash you know and, and give in back into it so yeah so what I did was I, I made sense to me that okay well if you're going to stop one action you must do something to try and um, curb the discomfort from that or to try and derail 
the addiction itself. And as I said, the nicotine replacement therapy worked, um, that worked fantastic for me. I mean, I hadn't, I think I must be nearly 10 years off cigarettes now. And I like, until actually the other day I spoke to you or I texted you about, you know, kind of similarities or what have you. That was probably the first time in years I'd even thought about a cigarette, you know. And now I'd never, I just, I, I actually, I'm nothing them. You know, I don't see people on the street and, and kind of smoking and say, God, I wish I was there. Or like the old go-to was cigarette and a beer or cigarette and coffee would have been, you know, my idea of heaven back in the day. And now it's just like, nah, I just, I don't understand it. It just, as I said, I, it's not that I even hate it. It's I nothing it. And that's certainly <laughs> nothing. where yeah, exactly. you say I nothing it. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, because that's, that's the, I think that's the opposite of when you love something is it's not when you hate it. It's it's when it's irrelevant to you. Yeah, you know that that's when you're free. I certainly think of of things like that. But um, no, so that's where when when I when I found out about TSM, that that certainly that clicked with me. That you know, in order to stop some action, you need to have something to help you kind of get over that hurdle to try and um. um to, well, and it made complete sense that okay well I didn't come out of the womb an alcoholic I, this is something I taught myself so you know with the it made perfect sense with the with the help of pharmaceuticals that you, sh- you should be able to unlearn as well you know and I've certainly I mean in in since I started TSM like I'm uh, about six months in now um, and uh, I've I've the difference the difference in consumption it's unbelievable it's it's such yeah. a and I know there's a lot of a lot of chatter and a lot of people think with TSM it's um you know well everybody wants to be a quick responder everybody wants to you know be two months in and say ta-da I'm, I'm a casual drinker again but the reality of it is if you're anything like me I, I learned how to drink like I was over two decades basically okay it really ramped up in the last two three years but all the foundations were in place there you know, those, uh, those reward, reward pathways were the size of motorways already, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it was all in place. Like, so it, it makes perfect sense that if you're going to unravel something, it's certainly, if it, if it works well and works good, it shouldn't be a quick fix. Not certainly not when you're at the level that I was at at the time, you know, in terms of like a uh, unit consumption. Yeah. So, um, why don't we talk about that a little bit, your experience with the Sinclair method. So you said you've been on it for six months um i guess first how did you hear about it and um, well actually i heard about it um, a few years ago and um, my uh, i had uh, bought my husband a, a subscription to the national geographic and he would often leave you know the magazines line there's a lot of obviously reading to them and uh, one of the episodes or one of the uh, 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 what you call it uh, monthly ones was um i think it was i think it was february no i think it was july 2017 and it was um I think that's the date anyway. Uh, it, the front cover of National Geographic was um, uh, the science of addiction. And it had um, essentially kind of a lit up kind of like CAT scan image or what have you of a brain. And there was an, that was that was basically the feature article. And there was an, there was like, you know, six, seven page of information inside the article. And it took me a while. I saw it and I, I knew it covered a few different addictions. And um, I put, put off actually going actually picking it up and reading it but I did read it and um, it spoke to I think it was an Italian couple, couple who um, or a pair of friends who um, had used naltrexone to bring their um, their consumption of alcohol both were alcoholics AUD and they brought it right down to casual like maybe a couple of bottles of beer watching football or something like that and they were you know they were happy it had, it had worked for them 
And uh, I just assumed that, you know, okay, this was mainland Europe and, you know, I'm based in Ireland. I assumed that it wasn't going to be as simple to just source a medication here kind of thing. So I kind of put it to the back of my mind. And then this year I was in, I'd been, I, I knew I had to do something. I knew my situation was worsening since, since basically, say, autumn last year. And I'd been to um, a meditation um, conference, um, a particular uh, guy, um, David G. He actually trained under Deepak Chopra in uh, California. And um, uh, I just found that this was, it was the first kind of piece of meditation with this particular, you know, a teacher that um, I'd had for a while and I felt that this may be the way to to go to try and you know to try and calm my brain and soothe myself kind of thing and um, they'd mentioned during the, the conference or the evening that um, they were going to have an immersion weekend in the same uh, with the same teacher um, this year in April and um, so part of that uh, I went to it and then um, part of that uh, that uh, what you call it immersion weekend was to um, set an intention for something that you wanted to see happen in the next few weeks, next few months, of next year. So what is what is your your uppermost goal? So I knew straight away what mine was. And obviously you, you kept you could keep things to yourself. And I said, I said the intention that I wanted to be free of my addiction to alcohol. And I don't know if it was meditating on it or what have you. I knew I had to do something for a long time, but something in that weekend, it, it shifted my mindset. And from then on, I was on a mission to find out as much information I could about. I looked up in, in the months in between then um, and actually starting TSM, I'd looked up, I'd found Claudia's uh, video on YouTube because I, I kept, I was watching videos on addiction over and over again. I found your own videos and I found, um, uh, I priced and looked into uh, treatment here in Ireland and rehab and what have you. And it was it wasn't practical in terms of time or money. And I just, there was, as I said, there was something clicked and just the science made sense to me with, um, with naltrexone or nal- nalmaphene. And um, I, through the c3foundation.org um, website, I found a pharmacist that I, that I basically could fill in uh, based in the UK. And I filled in um, their questionnaire and got accepted and a drink diary and got accepted for uh, their treatment for AUD which as it turned out, it wasn't actually naltrexone, it was nalmaphene, but um, as a sister compound. So I assumed that it would be, um, it'd be okay. So I, um, I received medication, I think it was, it was about a month after the, the immersion weekend we were at. And I, it was pretty much a month of the day and I started um, TSM. So I'd, the, I think it was the day after I received it in the post because there's a tiny little bit of hesitation. It's kind of, you know, cause it's a, you're you're you've you've just been handed a branch and you're kind of like can I do this you know <laughs> yeah. can I get myself out of this hole you know it's it's um yeah so I I distinctly I do remember the day that I that I started medication and I uh I took it at home and I went to run a few errands with my husband and uh I'm not gonna lie it, it hit me like a train it was I was I was very disorientated and tripping over my own feet and uh, I found I was slurring my words a little and it it was it was and I, I there was no there's no buzz there was nothing like that I just felt I felt unwell and I came home and and as far as I remember I basically went to sleep for a few hours and then I was helping it was towards the evening I was helping my husband doing a few bits and pieces and I opened a beer and that beer sat there for I think it was three hours before I finally poured it down the drain I just it was like 
tasting metal. It was, it was doing absolutely nothing for me. So that was a oh. huge change. And I just for anybody listening that, you know, is worried about the side effects, then the next day I took the Namathine, the Selincro is the, the brand name. I took that again. And no, I felt a little bit of nausea. That was it. Within a week from when from when I took the tablet, I could not tell you any change in from, you know, basically it was uh, symptomless. So, uh, you know, you, I found you acclimatized very, very quickly to any side effects and it literally is i mean it's it's something you've never taken a combination of drugs you've never taken before so it throws initially it's going to throw your body for a loop until it acclimatizes and knows what to do with uh you know this i suppose foreign substance like but um yeah i think the first week um i i've kept a drinks diary since uh, religiously and um the first week my consumption was down from uh, in excess of 100 um, units of alcohol here in, in Ireland, uh, our measurements to, I think it was 30, 32. Wow. First week, yeah, it nosedived. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. And I'm so happy you spoke to kind of climatizing with the side effects because I've heard that nalmapine can have, like more often have side effects mm. compared to naltrexone. I don't know if that's true because I've taken naltrexone, but um just to hear that of course everyone's different but to hear that your experience because it was similar with me in naltrexone it took about a week for me to acclimate to the medication and the mm -hmm. side effects were relatively mild but i know some people have severe nausea and it's it's different but it's good to yeah. know that you adjusted to it within about a week's time yeah it's not i mean that, that's the as i said it was it was it was a little bit um i didn't expect as i did expect side effects but i didn't expect um I suppose to the extent the very first time I took it but I mean like um, my thinking to other people would be you know stay at home you know take care of yourself if you need to sleep sleep you know you just you know allow yourself the time to get used to it because in fairness for for what it does the side effects pale in comparison any side effects pale in comparison to the benefits of the medication I mean it's um as I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again like it's, it's absolutely giving me my life back I mean I'm just um, a completely different person you know and, and even at that like I would at, at the moment now my uh, unit rates would be about probably 40 to 50 so it's still I mean by it's still not within you know say um, you know the healthy range or what have you but compared to what what I was having before and um, it's you know it's great progress and mm -hmm. I know that the progress will continue as well and I've I I did say to my husband as well you know if I never got any further than I am now I would still stay compliant and I would still thank TSM up and down because it's you know it's it's working it's doing what it's supposed to do it's and naturally it's not white knuckling it's not you know um a strain or willpower it's you know like literally there I think it was, was it last night yeah I was um the night before I was um having um a few a few drinks and watching some tv i think i had three drinks and i was on my fourth and um the difference i know it knows with medications well i recognize when i'm genuinely thirsty whereas before i would just drink more drink which is obviously dehydrating so i went to the kitchen to get uh, water and i was standing in the kitchen like do you know what i'm genuinely tired now i'm really pushed i think i'll just go up and I, the rest of that drink was uh, was poured down to drink but that would have been unheard of. I would have kept going and kept going and kept going before, you know. So that's like to have that kind of experience on a regular basis to actually just be kind of, you know what, meh, I'm going to bed, you know. It's, it's, and to wake up refreshed the next day. I mean, that's, 
where it's white and gold, you know? Yes. And just to think about the comparison, what you were describing before, where you'd be angry going to bed when you couldn't have that fourth or beyond. But now it's, it's like, sounds like you're getting in tune with yourself. You're like, what do I really need? Do I want more alcohol? No, I'm thirsty. And now I'm actually tired and going to bed. And just that, that sense of empowerment and freedom Mm -hmm. that comes with that. And the like comparison pre TSM and post TSM it's, it's, yeah, it's worth its weight in gold. As you say, it's incredible. So what no. have, Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. It's, it's just going to say, it's, no, it is. It's fantastic. And, and, and six months is a short amount of time given my history, you know, so love it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they say, cause you know, there's all this chatter about people. Claudia had her, like, sounds like you did too. Like your first pill, you noticed a difference right away, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it's been up and down since then. And I think that's a really important thing to speak to. And I speak to it a lot on my channel and we can speak to it here, just that everybody is different and it's going to take time. And six months is still relatively early considering you've spent decades building this, this substance use disorder up with alcohol. And so, you know, I, I hear from people who they, they drink this exact same amount for the first six months or more. And then one day it just clicks and things start to change or they start to subtly notice differences and it can take a year or more, two years, even it's different for everybody. But, um, I think it's really important and you have a really good kind of view and attitude of it. I think that's setting you up for success because you're, you're realizing the difference, you're realizing the benefits and you're, you know, still looking toward the future, maintaining your compliancy. Um, Mm. yeah. And that's the thing, like, I I think with a lot of people as well, so I know pre TSM, my attitude was, okay, I'm up here with drinking. It's going to come down and down nice and gentle in a nice low loop. And, you know, it'll uh, look lovely on a graph. And that's, no, it's far more like a zigzag. It's, you know, it literally went from 100 down to 30 something to 70 back down. You know, it, it's, you know, depending on what's going on in your life, um, you actually, again, acclimatize to the medication. And um, there's also um, the element as well of, uh, I found in a number of cases uh, in the last six months that, um, I found I watched as basically um, the disease struggle to keep control of me. And I know it sounds like it's, you know, it's some sort of some sort of kind of otherworldly thing or what have you. But like um, I noticed the spike back up in my drinking initially when um, I found myself craving wine and not beer. And beer would have always been my go to. And to, to my mind, that was the disease trying to keep control of me by saying, OK, well, here's a higher amount of uh, alcohol. And, you know, you can you can consume more faster than you can, like being, you know, 11, 12 percent versus 4 percent of beer is, you know, that, that that's why I had gone to, to beer for so long was because I there was a, a greater element of control. Hmm. So, yeah, I'd, I'd switch, switch to, to wine and then that wasn't really working. And um, it wasn't really like it did initially kind of spike in uh, the units. But then I kind of taught myself, no, this is this is I'm I'm giving over more control because it's it's a stronger drink so you know um i did what i didn't want to do was um uh, try and um, out drink the tsm or out drink the now which is what happens for us i think for a lot of people on spirits or what have you it can be very hard to gauge where the point is that you actually don't want more alcohol because you can you are the stronger to drink the quicker you're getting drunk and mm-hmm. um, the other thing i noticed as well was um uh, I had um, a slip in compliance I, in, in the last couple of months. I noticed over a couple of weeks, I noticed a real ramping up of craving 
um, alcohol chatter um, in my head. And I couldn't, I just couldn't pinpoint. And I was, I was on the Facebook group and um, Sinclair Warriors lamenting these sudden conditions, you know, and you worry because you want, you worry, is this, am I losing my ground here? Is, are things unraveling? And what I racked my brain and it took me about two weeks to realize that there were several times where I was late taking my pill. I'd or maybe I'd slept it out completely because I don't feel anything. I take the pills anymore. And I thought I'd taken the pill, but in actual fact, I remembered taking it yesterday. So I ended up taking the pill, but not stopping drinking and saying, okay, wait the hour for that to take effect. Um, and another couple of occasions, um, I I had, I remembered that it was say 30, 40 minutes in. And I was kind of like to after taking the tablet and I was saying to myself, it's okay. I really don't have to wait the air. I'll just I'll go ahead and open a drink now. It'd be grand, like you know, sure. I'll only have a few mouthfuls, what have you. And it was literally, I'd say it was maybe seven instances in total of basically um not following the golden rule, wait an hour, or being late taking the tablet, realizing after the fact that I hadn't taken the tablet that day. And that was enough to basically ramp up the consumption and the craving and um the alcohol chatter and that made um, made it very very clear in my mind that those tablets are doing what they're supposed to be doing every single time you take them and complacency is not a good idea ever you know and I'm still trying to gain back the ground I lost uh, a month later you know um, in terms of uh, certainly I'm still experiencing um, a rise in craving and um, a rise in chatter you know thinking about it more often um, in the day and what have you but I'm not panicking because I know I got there before and I know once I remain uh, compliant, I'll definitely get back there again, you know, but just, you know, you, you just can't afford to think, you know what, uh, it's okay if I don't have a pill today. It's, it's every single one is doing what it's supposed to do. Yes, for sure. And I think that's so important that you're speaking to that because, you know, whether it's by accident because you thought you took the pill or, you know, I hear from people who are trying to kind of sabotage themselves in a way by not taking the medication or they, you know, for whatever reason, but compliance is huge. And like, that's why it's called the golden rule. It's really the key to success. And however life happens, not everyone's going to comply every time. And so just hearing your perspective that, you know, you saw the difference from not complying. And at the same time, you know, that by complying, you will get to where you want to go. And so even if you slip up, even if you forget and you fall back a little bit, you're still, you can still get back on and keep going and keep progressing. Yeah. I know, I know more than one person who is on their second or more time of, of trying the method. So, and like that, it's um, uh, like self-sabotage or, or for whatever reason, you know, they just um, fell by the wayside or went back to old habits. But it's, it, it is something that is, yeah, you do have to, you have to put the legwork in. It's um, and I suppose a big a big element is is being patient. It's giving something the time to work. And I mean, the way we are now nowadays, the way everybody lives, it's instant gratification with everything. Everybody wants something yesterday. You know, nobody wants to kind of give things the chance or just you know, like I mean, the Sinclair method is around since what the the medication is around since the sixties. I mean, it's it's working. It always has worked. You just got to give it the chance to, but um. That was the other thing as well. I see a lot, a lot of people uh, worrying about, you know, am I going to be, you know, the way the, the general kind of rule is, okay, this works 80% of the time. But my, it's my understanding that in a lot of the cases of the other 20%, 
it is self-sabotage or it's another uh, outside um, uh, factor. It's not just that, you know, any one person can be immune to it. And um, I think that's the big thing with a lot of people is they panic thinking, well, I'm going to be in that 20%. Whereas in actual fact, it's just, you nearly have to switch off that fear in your brain because what's the alternative? You know, you don't take the tablets and you continue as you're going. I mean, to be honest with you, like in my case, um, I had, um, I'd uh, broached my GP uh, initially uh, two years ago and I basically, I'd, I went in with the wrong attitude. I went to my GP and I basically said, listen, I have a problem with alcohol. Um, I don't want to do AA. I, I, I don't want to go to counselling and uh, you fix this for me now. And in actual fact, I'd done a bit of homework and I, I heard about the drug um, antibuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it essentially makes you horribly sick if you do drink on it. So I was already going down the right route with pharmaceutical. But I mean, she basically my GP sat me down and read through the horrible um, and dangerous kind of side effects associated with that medication. And she said to me, I really don't want to um, prescribe anything like that for you. And she, she basically asked me to cut down my units. But um, I don't think, I think I went in with the wrong attitude. I went in with her with, you know, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that and the other and expecting her to fix, you know, while I was, I was going in almost confrontational. But what happened was I came out with no solution. And it's very hard to open yourself up to what is at that stage in your life your, your your deepest darkest secret you know this is the the thing you hate the most about yourself is what you're doing and the priority it takes in your life and um, so I came away from oh my GP ran a liver function test actually and um she rung me a few weeks later to say that um, my liver was a-okay but I came away from that um appointment which I admittedly mishandled myself uh, very angry and my drinking really ramped up then and by the time I think it was I went back to my GP it was would have been late last year and um or mid last year and I was having problems with um high blood pressure and she um unbeknownst to me did another uh, liver function test and she just said she was going to do a few different tests in case um uh, there was another fact because she said um, blood pressure is often you know an echo of another problem and she um she rung me up and she said listen uh, she said, your, um, you know, say the, the level of the enzyme in your uh, in your uh, liver, your blood that breaks down alcohol, it, the level of that that's safe is, say, uh, up to about 40. She said, yours is at 151. She says, your liver is is crying out here. She says, you have to do something about this. And it really, it really shook me. It really shook me. Because, um, uh, well, she said, look, because uh, I, I didn't understand the, the mechanics of it. And I said to her, like, oh, is, my, is my liver scarred? What's happening here? And she, she said, no, but she said, basically what that means is that your liver is scrambling constantly to break down the alcohol that you're, that you're not giving yourself any alcohol for days. You're not, the, it's being overwhelmed. And she said, I can't tell you, um, she said, at what point that, that will become very dangerous. But she said, it, it is like flicking a switch. And she said, essentially what happens then after that if your liver starts to fail, she said, you're talking hospital, you're talking a transplant list, you're talking. Um, and she said, let me tell you, um, said oh, uh, of people that are referred into hospital for liver failure or liver, liver transplant, she said 50% of them don't come back out. So it, this was a real, real wake up call for me. You know, it was, it was, now that said, I, it still took me another couple of months after that um, before I actually did, as I said, set the intention to, um, to um overcome my alcohol addiction but um 
my husband would say that of me, of me as well when I say I'm doing something I'm like a dog with a bone I'm doing it and that's it so it I think that was basically the kick I needed to say okay look you know okay you don't have control but there are things that can be done and you have to do something about it you have to mind yourself you want to be here for your kids you know you want to be enjoying your life not just making it through it which is what you are just making it through it when you have AUD it's it's mm-hmm. you know you're existing you're not living you know, so that's that's kind of um, that's where we were with that. Anyway, that was, as I said, the the real, real wake up call was, OK, look, you know, you're you're really hurting your body. You know, I had no idea you had issues with your liver before going on the similar method. I didn't realize that's insane. Like, I couldn't imagine being faced with that. Mm. Like when you're so addicted and it's like ruining you, like I've yeah. talked to some other people who had liver issues too I don't understand medically what was wrong but she couldn't stop drinking even though she knew she was like killing herself um, because mm-hmm. the addiction was so strong and she too found the Sinclair method and now I think is alcohol free but um wow I just didn't know that yeah no it's a uh, um as I said it was it, it was it was it was bad I mean and I, like I was quite naive as well I mean I I, I thought there was an element of safety that I was drinking such a low alcohol beer but it's like everything and anything, you know, it's down to the individual, it's down to the amount, but um, it's down to your own body. And like, that was my body saying, oh, you know, this is 20 years of this, would you not mind yourself? And the irony as well, it was at the time I was exercising and I was, um, what you call it? I was uh, watching my diet as well. So uh, my husband would, would laugh and he'd say, like, you're doing all these good things for yourself and you go against yourself completely every time you pick up a drink. My husband said the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I know, he's like, it doesn't make sense. You're like crazy about what you eat and exercise yeah. and then you like go get drunk. I'm like, I yeah. know. <laughs> but that's what that's like for me that's what I kept saying to him like this is this is my Achilles heel like this is is you know I can be good with these other things but this was the one thing that just overwhelmed me you know that um but um no that's so that's kind of where we are with that yeah wow so um I know some doctors will do a liver test before going on the naltrexone or nalbuphine because at really high doses like way higher than the 50 milligram dose of naltrexone like I think in the 300s it says that it can impact the liver or you know cause potential harm to the liver so some doctors do test to make sure your liver is healthy so you went into it with an unhealthy liver yeah but that was okay like you didn't have any issues no um an actual fact um my uh my doctor was uh, um actually researched uh, uh the medication as well and and um uh, it became apparent um researching it that um nalbuphine actually isn't metabolized in um, the liver so oh. in in those terms it's actually um it's actually it, it should it certainly shouldn't add to any um uh, what you call it any um, damage but i know that my doctor's saying that well everything has to be metabolized somewhere so it's probably the kidneys then um, oh. because otherwise uh, the drug would be active in your body you know continuously but um i suppose to kind of go back a couple of steps there initially yeah i had been um I'd been um, using um, a, a pharmacy through the uh, c3foundation.org and um, I'd been getting medication from them, but it was actually, it was, um, it was expensive. Now, it was, it was expensive, but for what it was doing, it was absolutely worth it. I mean, for, I think, for a 28-pack of Selinquro, it was working out about around 150 euro. 
Wow. Um, so, so a month supply and I'm a daily drinker. So it literally was just a month supply kind of thing. And um, so I was, I was thinking about it. I've been thinking about it for a long time, probably for a few months. And to, I suppose to hark back to that initial appointment I had with my GP. And um, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, well, okay, I'll research and I'll see if I can't, um, if, you know, approach my GP and see if uh, she would be happy to prescribe the medication for me. Um, so I kind of, I did a bit of research and I found out that um, the kind of the public health board, I suppose, uh, the health services executive here in Ireland, um, I actually found on their website um, that um, Selinkro uh, Nalmaphine is actually um, available uh, in uh, Ireland and is reimbursable, which is basically, wow. basically means that if you have um, a GP uh, medical card that you essentially get the medication for free. Uh, wow. which I do have like so um uh, I was that was strong incentive uh, financial uh, wise it was a strong incentive to approach my GP especially seeing as um we have we're uh, four children two adults on one uh, month's wage so um wow. this is going to make a big difference if I could um essentially source the medication for two euro versus 150 a month wow. so um basically I kind of I did my research and I uh, printed some papers I read on the page and how to approach your healthcare provider plus in um, Dr. Roy Scapp's uh, book there's um, a section for healthcare providers as well uh, to walk towards the end of the book before the appendices in it and um, so I basically um, I made an appointment with my GP and I went down to her and explained to her that I, I explained to her that I was still you know um, that I was you know a victim of alcohol use disorder and I explained to her that I had been I had sourced the medication from elsewhere and um, that it had been working I brought down my drinks diaries I brought down the article from National Geographic and um, the book and um, uh, Dr. Warris Gap's book so, so essentially to try and give her some information from different sources because otherwise you know, if you hand somebody just a book, she's going to say, well, this it's their book. They're going to say that, you know, yeah. <laughs> that development. Um, and uh, just little things like I'd, uh, I made sure I was uh, dressed smart and, you know, looked well or what have you going down. Because, you know, all these things go to credibility, you know, when you're when you're asking somebody um, to, to help you out kind of thing. Um, and I did. I, I, I actually, before I went down to GP, I spoke to my pharmacist um, who actually fills my Selinker order. And um, I, I spoke to her about being worried about approaching my GP after sourcing the medication from a third party because, you know, it's, it's, I'm asking her then to take care of my health while I went elsewhere for medication kind of thing. And um, the, my pharmacist said, well, look, all you can do is, they said, she said, no GP is going to thank you for taking medication when you didn't go through them or through another qualified healthcare provider here. And um, mm -hmm. so she said, all you can do is say, to, say you know, look, you know, you weren't sure if it was going to work. You wanted to give it a try and, you know, essentially try yourself at their mercy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ask uh, forgiveness and ask permission kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, so I went to the GP and in fairness, she listened to everything I had to say. I think I was in with her for an hour and I just said to her, look, you know, I said, I'm sorry that I, I went kind of, you know, around you with this, but um, I said, I didn't know if it was going to work. And now I, I know it is working. And it's certainly doing what it's supposed to do. So I left, I said to her that, you know, I'll just let you um, have a look at some of the materials or, or what have you. And, um, you know, I'll maybe, I, I, I still had, I think, half a month's uh, medication. So mm -hmm. I said to her, I'll, um, 
I'll give you, or you ring me, or I'll ring you, or email you in a week or two, and you know, have a think about it, kind of thing. Because obviously, nobody likes being put mm-hmm. um, on the spot. Plus, um, she had to do her own research. So I think it was, yeah, it was a week later. Her secretary um, uh, rang me and said um, the doctor is um, uh, is absolutely happy to prescribe uh, the medication for you, but um, says she just wants you to come in for another chat. So. And um, it was a couple of, she just had more questions. A few things ha- had been covered, but I mean, you know, from the method uh, for something that seems so simple as just take the medication away an hour, there is so much information behind it. And it's so, um, you know, there's, there's so many facets and, and differences per person. And, uh, you know, everybody's uh, form of, you know, AUD is different. Everybody's reactions to the medication is different. So, uh, I knew that I was happy that she had questions and I was, I was extremely happy that it was there and then actually she um, she printed out um, uh, a prescription for two months and she said, come back to me then and show me your drinks diary and we'll continue from, from then, you know. So um, I went straight to my pharmacy where the, the pharmacist, uh, Rachel, that I've been speaking to was there and I basically danced up to that counter with that prescription <laughs> because I'd, I'd been speaking about the whole thing with her. And, she said she was absolutely delighted, you know, to, to, that I was able to source it and what have you. So, yeah, so that was a that was a small victory, especially off the back of um, the initial consultation with the GP when I kind of came out with my problem of AUD. You know, um, it kind of left nobody happy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love stories like that too, where you kind of educate your doctor, and now you know she's potentially using it with other people too, and it's this like grassroots effort to really get this in the hands of as many physicians as possible, this knowledge and the success yeah. of it. But that's it. And especially like, it, I, like I couldn't understand how a method could be so unknown, but yet um, this medication was licensed, you know, by our, our health, ex- our health uh, services executive, you know, for um, to be dispensed and with the use being, you know, um, an alcohol use disorder. I mean, that's what it's licensed for here. And um, I just, I couldn't understand, um, I was looking on the actual HSC's website and it seemed to be that it, for all of Ireland from, I think it was uh, April uh, 2017 to 18, I think there was, um, I think, a little over 3,000 prescriptions. Wow. You know, it's, it's like, and I, I said that to my doctor, she said, that's nothing, so that's absolutely nothing. So that means that despite the fact that it's licensed and that it's reimbursable, you know, nobody's prescribing it she said the vast majority of the people who are prescribing she said are probably addiction consultants that so they're probably uh, private practic- practitioners or they're probably this is their area of expertise it's, it's unlikely that a lot of those are gp prescriptions wow. you know? so yeah. it's, it's essentially unknown you know i know it's it's unbelievable to me and i Inside, I really feel like this is a shift, like thanks so much to C3 Foundation and what Claudia is doing. And, um, you know, I now work for a telemedicine company called Rhea Health that really sets people up for success using this method. And there's other telemedicine companies popping up and telemedicine is a possibility, which to me is like a huge thing with regards to the, the shame aspect of really admitting that you have an alcohol problem. Because when I... I'd never admitted that to people. Like I was a heavy drinker. I never would have said, okay, I've got a problem. And when I first was looking for a doctor before I knew about the C3's list of physicians, I was like calling everyone and getting the door slammed in my face. And it felt awful. And I was even like, well, maybe I don't have a problem. You know, they're trying to say I need rehab and detox. I guess that's when I have a problem. But it's like, 
no, I have a problem now because it's controlling me and it's on the way to me needing rehab or detox, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, um, I really feel like it's changing. Like it's slowly but surely getting to be more well-known and out there. And I'm just excited to see what the next five, 10 years brings with it. Absolutely. I mean, for, for me, I mean, what, what beggars belief is uh, like when you look at uh, TSM versus uh, rehab or versus AA, I mean, it, to me, it looks like a no-brainer. I mean, it's, it's there, you, from the comfort of your own home, you know, if, you know, without uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or anything else, if, if that's what you don't want to do, you don't have to do therapy, you don't have to do anything. All you've got to do is take the tablet and drink, you know, to, you know, basically as you as you would normal. And But, you know, as, as you've covered in plenty of your videos as well about being mindful, I mean, that that is a huge once here, I suppose, on um, the Sinclair Method for a little while is watching the the difference between being mindful, watching the difference between uh, what is craving and what is habit. And I, I certainly know for most people at the start, you should treat both as the same thing. Mm-hmm. But when you're established and comfortable on the method, it makes perfect sense that, um, you know, you should start try, trying to say to yourself, okay, do I really want another drink? Or is this just, you know, mm-hmm. a knee-jerk reaction kind of thing? But now for, for, as I said, it's it's so alarmingly simple compared to, I mean, my alternative, if, if I hadn't found this method, would have been, you know, trying to find somebody to mind four children for a month while I, while I went into, and, and here it's generally like there's rehab centers, but I mean, the main one is a mental hospital. So, I mean, you're in with a multiple, a multitude of people with multiple problems, you know, essentially, as we call it here in Ireland, drying out. You know, mm-hmm. and and what you do after that, you could you, you you know either through privately or through your healthcare provider, you you, you pay, you know, tens of thousands for that stay to come out to the same problems, the same triggers, the same alcohol chatter. You know, mm-hmm. it's 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 almost inevitable. Like it just to me, it just seems like the most the simplest thing to do. And I have actually had um, a case before where um, a stage before um the year that I was getting married, I think that was like seven years ago, and I knew that it was going to, my wedding day was going to be a problem, going to be a long day, and it's going to be a problem if I had anything to drink. So I actually, um, I just, I wanted to make a change, and I went to uh, two AA meetings two weeks in a row. And uh, for anybody that, you know, it works for, I, I'm not knocking on it, I just speak as to my own experience, but um. I found um, that essentially it was a group of, uh, certainly my experience here uh, at the local meeting was a group of, you know, 10, 15 people and everybody was telling um, the worst stories that they could of, you know, their drunken behavior. And look, I mean, other people have suffered. And I mean, unfortunately, it's almost like everybody except the person who's drunk suffers when they're drunk because you're, you know, it's unlikely you're making memories at that stage, but mm-hmm. your loved ones can remember the things you said, the things you did, you know, and they're the ones getting the brunt of the pain kind of thing. But to, it just never made sense to me that, um, that you could get better, that you could, you could help yourself with negativity because that's the, it's the shame and it's the wallowing. I, I know probably the, at essence that the idea is to remind yourself of these terrible things as a deterrent. As many people in the meetings had been um, there, who were there, it spoke to being, you know, um, you know, two, three, ten years, twenty years, one person, you know, wow. a, away from um, since they last drank, you know. But uh, to me, it just, um, I don't know. It's almost like it, 
to my mind, it was almost like um, disciplining a child by spanking them. It's okay, you might get the results in the short term, but you know, it's 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 pain, it's suffering, it's you know, it's it's not going to lead to positivity and to making you feel lighter and more hopeful. And mm-hmm. anyway, as I said, uh, I I I sulked in the meetings and I refused to share in either of them. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of said, I'm not going back there again, which is why I spoke to my doctor saying that that just wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And um, but uh, no, that year I basically I as I've used you were saying as well, I, I white knuckled it and I think for about four months that year I had absolutely nothing. And I did, I felt the better. I really did feel the better. I really enjoyed my wedding, really enjoyed the 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 our uh, little holiday afterwards and our stay and what have you. But it was literally the first holiday myself and my husband were on by ourselves then and um, our belated honeymoon a couple of months later. Uh, I think it was the first night we were there to have a couple of drinks. By the end of that holiday, it was business as usual. I mean, it was actually, it was so scary how slippery that slope was and how fast, you know, it fell down it kind of thing. You know, it's, it's without something else to undo that behavior that you've learned. You know, the second you, you put your foot back in, you're, you're, you're back in, you're, you're right where you were and very, very quickly. Like, It's so true. It's so true. Um, I want to ask you, you know, for so many people, when you start to change your relationship to alcohol, it impacts so many things in your life. So what, what have been some of your like big life changes and improvements that you've noticed the past six months that, you know, couldn't have been if you were still knee deep in this alcohol use disorder? Sure. And I suppose the, um, the biggest element is um, how much time and straight off how much time alcohol you know having alcohol use disorder takes because if you're not drinking you're you're thinking about drinking or uh, you're hung over it just it's it's you know if you're not if you're not awake the alcohol's got you if you're not asleep alcohol's got you in some way shape or form so the first thing was that it shortened that whole window for me of you know i was having i am having you know a, a relatively like single numbers of drinks you know in a shorter kind of window or just to the evening or what have you so um it meant that um, a I like I um, hangovers. I think, I think since I started the method, I've had maybe two bad hangovers. That's oh. it. You know, it's and I've had no blackouts at all in the the, the six months I've I've been on it, and that was a regular thing, which is really scary because I know from um, a bit of uh, reading and what have you that essentially like a drunken blackout is actually a form of brain damage. You know, it's it's actually it's really it's you know your brain has stopped making memories, which is why you can't remember because it's so intoxicated, it can't function. So, I mean, like if you're having frequent blackouts, it's, it's not good, you know, your, your brain's taking the brunt of it kind of thing. But um, the other things that I noticed actually was, um, yeah, like, like yourself, I'd kind of, I could kind of go back at, um, you know, healthy eating and, um, you know, exercise. I recently, um, uh, I had been kind of doing that kind of thing by myself and I'd been running and stuff like that but I uh, joined a, a local gym and um, uh, it's, it's, it's great actually they had a, a, a kind of a challenge which was that you know you, you, you work with them for six weeks and um, you basically um, you follow their healthy eating plan and you work out with them at least three times a week and um, uh, you know they give you a target of losing X amount um, in that time so I was hoping I was kind of jumping the gun a bit. I was hoping that if I signed up to that challenge, I could, I would 
actually drastically cut back my drink. And it did work for the first week, but I was also forcing it as opposed to it being um, an organic thing. So it was almost inevitable I would slip back to, you know, a certain level kind of thing. So while I didn't, um, I didn't lose the amount of weight I wanted to, I did lose, I think, six percent body fat but wow. a dress size as well i know you posted a photo and it, there's an obvious difference you lost a good amount of weight Thank you very much. <laughs> but, um, it wasn't it's that that's what i love about working out as well i mean it's not like initially i went i signed up to that challenge because i wanted to see the number on the scales change mm -hmm. but i mean that's the least of the the pluses i mean it's you feel stronger you're you have more energy I mean, I was eating so much better that things like, you know, your hair, your nails, your skin are so much better, you know. I mean, as I was saying to the guy who runs the gym after the fact, he was saying, like, how's your energy levels? And I said, let's put it this way. My, my house has never been clean. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, it would have fallen by the wayside beforehand. But it's just, it's the confidence of feeling stronger and better and um the place the place i'm in is, is no frills it's just it's people like me it's you know generally kind of mums or dads kind of thing wanting to to be tired of being sluggish all the time and wanting to you know improve themselves so there's a whole social side i mean i've made four five six friends since you know starting there and you all everybody has um uh what you call it the, the same thing in common you know you're all going to the same place so it's very there's a great kind of camaraderie to the place um, I suppose the other aspect as well would be, yeah, I've taken up, taken back up other hobbies that uh, other, you know, my kind of passions before the AUD took over, you know, kind of, uh, you know, reading kind of, um, uh, what you call it, a um, little bit of uh, knitting and crochet and stuff like that. And the, all the things I kind of would have done before, but, but didn't mean other things like I'd abandoned, I'd started doing um, a declutter around the house because with this, with a small house and, um, it's six of us in it, so clutter builds up fast. So I'd um, I'd taken my foot off the, the the gas with that because the AED had taken over. But essentially, I got back to decluttering and um, uh, what you call it, um, either giving you know giving things to charity or selling and selling things. And that's actually I've actually managed to pay for a lot of my gym membership, my monthly fees through you know basically cleaning up and selling things online that I don't use anymore I don't need you know things like that it's just and that's kind of become a little passion and side project for me as well you know but um no it's just um it's just, I, I like that I was saying before about things like you know meeting up with family and not one not wanting to be out in the evening and things like that you know I can actually do that now without sitting there looking at a family member trying to have a conversation with me while I'm going I want a drink I want a drink I want a drink <laughs> yeah so it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing the level of engagement that's like something I noticed right away because I thought I was you know engaging with someone I was listening whatever but when the alcohol cravings and thoughts started to be removed I realized like I wasn't really listening or present and now it's just it's night and day to be able to really connect and engage and not have that chatter in the mind and that's the thing i think a lot of it is um uh what tsm kind of affords you as well is is that lightness it's you know it is literally like a weight being lifted off you whereby you know you have you, you feel better about yourself you feel hopeful you feel um you know like that you you pick up old passions and loves and i mean that all very much ties into mental health as well mm -hmm. you know that's that's a huge part of it and i mean like everybody knows alcohol is depressant I mean how could you not end up you I mean it's almost inevitable you would feel unwell 
uh, between, you know, how badly you're treating your body and then the hangovers and then the shame. And, you know, it's just to feel um, the release to not to have to worry about, you know, any of that. Like, it's just, it's, it's just absolutely fantastic. Like, yeah. And it's like, you use the word organic before, like, even though you're, you're taking a medication, it does feel like it's happening naturally. Like, cause you're coming back to the person you were that didn't have this learned addiction nested in your mind and your being it, it does feel organic and that was so freeing I remember when I first started to realize like oh my gosh I don't need to finish this glass of wine and like I can just go out and have one and not worry about being the person who's blackout drunk making an ass of myself like that is so empowering and that just builds and builds and builds the longer you're on the Sinclair method and the more you really come back in control over the alcohol that's it and I think but the the large part of it as well though I think um when you start experiencing that yourself is all you want to do is shout it from the mountaintop to you and you want to tell everybody and you can see people left right and center in your life and around you who are in similar situations because I mean especially if you've been embroiled with AUD for a long time you do tend to surround yourselves with you know people like to enable other people and you, you know you do find yourself like associate with people who are who have a similar tastes, shall we say, kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's amazing. A lot of people get their head in the sand about the whole thing. And, you know, like, like little things like I've, um, I've actually donated my, um, my, my um, copy of Dr. Scott's book down to um, our local kind of free cycle center, which is essentially, it's, um, it's an area that you, everybody brings to recycle. Uh, kind of materials and stuff but there's a bookshelf in the building itself which has um books that you can either leave or take mm-hmm. so um and just the turnaround is quite quick i've left a lot of stuff down there before so um i what i did was i left my book in there with um uh, basically a, a short message on the inside sleeve saying that um or the inside of the first few pages saying that uh what my name was um if um you know if you want to contact me i i know um a doctor locally who um, can prescribe some medication and I know a pharmacist who can who can supply it and you know if you have any questions at all I'd, I'd just I'd love to help somebody and all I ask you to do is please replace this book where you took it from so it can help somebody else and you know like I, and I would I put my my name my actual private phone number and what have you but unfortunately that was um that was a couple of months now but I mean I know myself like the first time I'd heard about um uh, the method and what have you it took like it took me a long time a lot of thinking and you know something else has to shift in you before you actually say okay I'm going to do something about that you know but I, I do hope to get a text from a number I don't recognize one of these days saying can I have that information you know but um yeah so that's so I have full body chills right now just what you did like I want to do that now with my book I, I think I'm going to do that that's so beautiful and just getting I mean, I love that it's called the cure for alcoholism because whether you're a skeptic or not, you're like, what? Yeah. Like, there's a cure. So yeah. A draw right there. yeah. So that's so cool that you did that. Um, and astrology, just, I'd love, I just love to hear back from somebody who would because then um, and, and, like if everybody did that, then it wouldn't be very long getting out there, you know, because people would tell other people. And I just, I just know from, um, I've seen it myself. I mean, I, I've, I, I spoke about, you know, going to different shops and trying to, hide him what you were drinking or how often or what have you I mean I've I've seen on more than one occasion you know like a Monday morning you know or Monday afternoon two o'clock in the day and 
there was a lady walking out of the shop at the same time as I was walking in and she had a box of uh, uh, beers and she, I just knew, I knew looking at her, she had the same haunted expression I know I must have had where you're kind of like, here I am up here again, and, you know, mm -hmm. doing this again and, you know, everybody's looking at me, everybody knows and, you know, there's another evening like, we were coming home from relatives and I think it was quarter to nine on Sunday and the lady came out of the, the garage we were in and she had three bottles of red wine and her little say six seven year old in tow mm. and same thing when i look I, I caught her eye as she was walking in the shop and i was kind of looking saying you're, you're not throwing a dinner party at a quarter to nine on a sunday you know that's probably all for you to see even if not over two nights or what have you and it just um i i just i know it's it's uh you know it's it's behind most doors here it's it's definitely rampant at least rampant here i mean it's just you know i just wish it was this something like this would was better known to people you know because it is it's um there was a big shift here in uh, drinking in recent years where um uh, smoking ban was rolled out across all the pubs and restaurants and what have you and essentially what it did is completely it wiped out smoking in the pubs and what have you but essentially what it did was change the entire shift of the drinking culture from the public place to the home so, and of course, you're in your home all day, every day. So um, it became, um, what do you call it? Um, it? It became private. It went behind doors. And, you know, so then it, it became acceptable to drink on your own by yourself. And I mean, I just think it's really hit the ground running here. And um, Katie, sorry, will I put a light on here? Oh, yeah, um, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. No, just I'm completely losing the light here too. So. Yeah. Be Sorry about that. Um, no worries. I it's getting dark where you are, right? Are exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, what is it? Just after six here now, but the 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 short nights are drawing in very fast. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I completely forgot where I was there. Um. No, I, I'm 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 fairly adamant that um I I know certainly heavy drinking is rampant in this country, and I'd say it, there's a there's a large element where it's beyond people's control now at this stage and. For that reason, I just wish that TSM and the fact that, you know, there is medication available here. And, you know, if, if you just are able to go to your doctor to, you know, to present some of this, some of the studies and just essentially, you know, try and try and ask for help and, you know, you know, cite other people's experience if you need to or what have you. But um, to me, it just I just wish it was you know, it, it to me, it should be the go to not, you know say rehab or AA or white knuckling it. I mean, that's, it's, you're blaming the person for um, the affliction they have. And then you're asking, you know, it's, it's like they're already down and, and, and kicked with the disease. And then you're asking them to, to, you know, fight for their life. You know, it's, it's, it's too much. You can't ask that of anybody, you know, it's, everybody needs some help to, to beat any addiction, you know, be it, you know, as I said, cigarettes, alcohol, gambling i mean nobody can do it by themselves if they could have done it by if they could do it by themselves nobody would be addicted because you would have you would have spotted the the problem and you would have taken steps you know or you would have um, stopped repeating the behavior before it became a problem but that's not the way it goes you know yeah yeah so what do you do you tell people in your personal life that you've done this like are you totally open about it and do you know anyone who has started it in your circle um, no, no. Um, it's um, essentially um, my. I told my my family, my side of the family, um, 
my my folks and my uh, sisters and my brother and um, my husband knows and is extremely supportive i haven't told his side of the family and not that i'm that i don't want to they're very loving and they're very supportive and i'm blessed to have them but it just it almost kind of hasn't come up in conversation yeah and um, plus with with friends as well i'd still be it's you know it's I'd still be hesitant while in the process to, to, to share. It's almost like I'd feel, I think I would feel happier um, to, to, to share at um, the point of extinction or certainly with a few more months under my belt or what have you. But it's um, at this stage, no, it's not, it's um, AUD is not something I'm, I'm ashamed of at all. I mean, um, it's, you know, it, it's, it happened to happen to me and, you know, it's, um, like I've, I'm, I just feel I'm proof that these things, you don't have to stay like that. These things can, you can do something about it. Like, but um, no, certainly um, I'd have no problem talking to, to anybody about it now. I don't actually, I don't personally know um, any people who are uh, going through and um, uh, who are actually experiencing TSM here. Um, I did ask my GP in a, in a subsequent um, appointment if um, anybody else had um, uh, started medication since myself, like because she was she was so so supportive and so helpful, and she just said that she was delighted to have something else to recommend, something else to help. And she's she's basically she's great. She's actually she's been a cheerleader for my own wow. progress. You know, it's which is it's lovely. I mean, it's it's especially when. You, you know, they're a doctor in a busy practice. They've got a hell of a lot of patients, and, you know, to look after. And, you know, for them to give you that one-to-one is fantastic. But um, she said that she actually had suggested it to one person, but she said that um, they didn't, um, they they weren't um, receptive. Mm. She said that um, in a lot of cases, she said, um, the person has to want to change where they're at. And she said, there's, she said, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of people who would be at the same level of um, drinking as I was, she said, they're just, they some people are just almost um, resigned to their faith or things being the way they are. And they're so long in that, um, that kind of um, that mindset or that lifestyle that they don't remember what not being like that is like, you know, so it's, it's, you know, they're just, she said like, it's, yeah, you have to be, you have to want to take the tablet. You have to um, be religious about you, you know, about it. You have to, um, you have to stay compliant. It's, it's, you know, and that's what you said, you, you, you do, you do need to want to change. And, um, I think for a lot of people, I know I certainly was worried about at the start was that, um, that, you know, this works or changes, um, how you are very drastically, very quickly, or, you know, and you're almost, there's almost that fear of, well, what do I do if I'm not doing um, this with my time all the time like it's like suddenly your day is like opening like a chasm in front of you if you're not you know because you've built everything around this bad habit you know so I think there's I know there seems to be a lot of a lot of people from my my experience um, on groups and stuff like that say um, they have the medication but they're waiting on this or they're waiting on that or you know that they're so fearful of um, such harsh uh, side effects that the, the kind of they're almost waiting for the perfect moment to start the medication. Whereas I, I know from experience that you're not, you're not going to be cured overnight. You're not going to, it's, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. And, you know, for, I suppose for want of a better way of putting it, I mean, you still will be able to enjoy, you know, some drink and it will, that will become less so and you'll want to less so. And like that, it will happen slowly over time. Whereas I think, 
you know, for, for a lot of people with AUD, you, you've put alcohol on a pedestal. So it's, 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 you know, you're almost protective of what that does for you and how it makes you feel. So it can be very daunting, the idea of, you know, that it'd be like a, a rug uh, taken out from under you, that you, you know, alcohol is not the most, the biggest thing in your life anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And truthfully, I mean, you know, I really wanted it. I was sick of all the consequences of the AUD that were like really putting this huge barrier in me really living my life and my best self. But I, I've shared this with so many people and I too, same to you. Like I shared it with my immediate family and friends, but didn't really start telling more people until, I mean, I was telling the world through YouTube, but like people close in my circle, um, just until I reached extinction because I wanted, I felt like I wanted to be like really sure and grounded Mm -hmm. in this and like myself. And so I was, yeah, I was waiting to really tell more people until I had hit that point too. Um, but yeah, you have to want it. And the people who I see in my life who, you know, drink a lot and I see their life, you know, being maybe not as enjoyable because they're drinking. I see them having hangovers a lot and things like that. They've told me basically that they need alcohol. Like it's their escape. They don't want to face reality without it. And so that was really eye-opening to me because I assume that everybody who drank a lot didn't want to, and that's just not the truth. Um, so yeah, it's it's just an interesting observation. You you do have to want it, and it can be scary because it does invoke a lot of change. Yes, it's not overnight, but um, you as you get more sober, you start to realize the things that are in your life that came from you being in a drunken state for so long, and you have to really t- make these changes. But in my experience, I feel well enough and strong enough to kind of face these things and create the life that I want to from a, a conscious, intentional place rather than just like like you were saying, just, I'm just existing. I'm not really living my life. I'm not really engaged in it. So, um, yeah, it is a big transition, but, um, it happens gradually and, and it's, uh, it's well worth it in my experience. Absolutely. It is. Yeah. So what would you tell, like, maybe this will be my final question and then I'll ask if you have anything else to add. And you've spoken to this a little bit, but just to tell, what would you tell someone who is kind of teetering on, should I take the medication? Do I want to change? Like I'm scared. What would you tell them now that you've got six months under your belt? You've had a lot of progress in your drink reduction. You're not at extinction yet, but you're well on your way. Um, what's your, what's your words of advice there? Oh, I would say, um, definitely. I'd say go for, don't hesitate for a second. I would say, because I mean, I think, um, as a method of overcoming an addiction or not even addiction, even, even heavy use or, use outside of um, um outside of what you feel is acceptable i mean this uh, this it's extremely gentle i mean it's it's you know it's a tablet and as i said the side effects are absolutely minimal and you know and as your body acclimatizes um are gone completely so um to me it's 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 absolutely win-win i mean it's um you know, you don't have to be on the street. You don't have to be home. So you don't have to, you know, have your relationship um, lost. I mean, you can't at any point in, you know, um, having a bad relationship with alcohol, at any point at the, in that stage, you, you, you're you suitable mm-hmm. to, to use TSM. I mean, that's the, the beauty of it. It's not, you know, you have to be this bad or you have to be, you have to have a liver under stress or anything like that. I mean, as soon as you're ready, it's it's there. And I would say to not to not to hesitate for a second i mean it's 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 absolutely win-win and i mean you can certainly it'll, 
it opens up your life. It never, never would it take away from your life. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. as I said, like alcohol, it just doesn't have benefits. It doesn't, you know, it's, um, um, it's, it's a negative influence in most people's lives. Yeah. Okay. When, when you're down to, I spoke, when you're down to extinction, you can actually have and enjoy a glass and leave it at that. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Like, but I mean, other than that, I think, um, I would wholeheartedly condone as it's like, if you feel like, um, TSM is for you, absolutely go for it. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Thank you. And do you have any, anything like last words or last things to add before we finish up? Um, oh, the other thing I suppose I would say would be, um, there's uh, several different um, uh, groups and um, uh, I suppose the Sinclair Warriors we won on Facebook and uh, I found um, there's, there's a lot of different types like but um, I found the group invaluable. I mean, especially seeing as, um, as I said, I don't, there's nobody I know who's um, um, going through a DSM, but thankfully through the group, we actually know a few people um, locally um, uh, in Ireland and well, locally different counties and what have you. But um, I mean, it's great to speak to other people who are going through the same thing. And I mean, you know yourself, there's so many different facets of so many different experiences and um, different aspects to TSM, just as much as there is to every individual who has AUD. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, if, if you have a question, I mean, there's people on these groups who, you know, um, who are medically, medically are experts, you know, with, with the, I suppose with the whole kind of a TSM thing, or to certainly know, um, um, as much as any one person can know about the method but it, other than that it's just to have other people who know how you feel and who share your hopes and fears and who understand it because as I said like my husband is um, like he's so supportive and he's lovely but he can never understand because he's not he's not he hasn't experienced it mm-hmm. thank god I mean I, I wouldn't I wouldn't wish AUD on anybody you know <laughs> but uh, it's um it's it's a beautiful thing and i mean there's real strong friendships being made you know on, on groups like that and any like anything any time of day or night because we're all over the world you know you can put up a post and somebody will be online and somebody will answer you and you know there's um it's it's fantastic i mean i think i think that's a great part of um the healing with, with using TSM as well is to have other people understand exactly where you are and have mm-hmm. have, have done that and who can offer advice and and give different perspectives and and different um, um, slants and opinions that you wouldn't even think of. And I mean, like for me, that has proved absolutely invaluable. And that's, you know, the medication and stay compliant, peer support. I mean, you you just, you can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, that's the upshot of it really, you know? Yeah. And for those uh, listening, I always link that group below all my videos so you can find it there. And I see it growing so much. Like it's just, there's so many people joining and it's, it's awesome to see that. Hmm. Well, Kelly, thank you so very much for taking time to speak today on your experience and just sharing from the heart. And I really feel like this is going to reach and touch a lot of people. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much. It's yeah. lovely speaking with you. Maybe we'll connect again a little down the road when you've reached extinction and hear how Absolutely. you're doing at that point. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, have a wonderful evening and I'll talk to you soon. You too. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Thrive Alcohol Recovery Podcast. For additional Sinclair Method resources and support, please check out the information in our show notes. 
We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.